What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob, hanging out talking my favorite hometown, Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's up, man? Not much, man. We are finally getting ready for some Cavs basketball. I feel like it's been forever. I feel like it's been a whole off season since they've played, man. Come on. Yeah. Got to get, get this moving, this whole playoffs thing. Yeah, with uh, the excitement I have for the Indians this season and with the NFL draft, I, I almost forgot that the Cavs are, you know, in the middle of a playoff run. Um, you know, that's just how long that the NBA playoffs drag on. Um, before we get into it, though, quick uh, announcement uh, in terms of our programming: we will not have a, a regularly a regular episode next week. We're, we're taking that week off, but we are not leaving you uh, dry. Uh, uh, we are recording a bonus episode this week and we'll post it later in the week. Uh, and that's going to cover all of our, our NFL draft coverage and reaction, uh, what the Browns did. We're even bringing in a special guest. Scott Petrak going to return uh, to the show from the Elyria uh, Chronicle, the Browns beat writer there. Um, so really excited to, to for, for that episode and to record that and get that up for you. Look for that later in the week. But we will not be recording an episode uh, next week. So uh, we're giving you two to, to, to last for those two weeks but yeah Chris back to uh the Cavs and, and NBA playoffs uh sweeping the Pacers uh had a about a week off in terms of rest and as we are recording uh the Cavs are, are going to tip off uh, against the Toronto Raptors uh, for game one uh, in the Eastern Conference semifinals um Chris what what, what are your thoughts uh initial thoughts uh, uh for, for this matchup well, the initial thoughts are the Browns are moving up a bit in weight class because the Toronto Raptors, while very inconsistent, certainly have more talent overall than the Indiana Pacers. Now, I do think the Pacers had the singular better player than Toronto in Paul George, but then it drops off. I, I think the Raptors do have a mini big three in Lowry, DeRozan, and Valanciunas. They have a sneaky number four in Serge Ibaka. And they have some solid depth. So I don't think the Cavs can have the same kind of lapses at the free throw line or in the fourth quarter that they did against Indiana and expect to have the same kind of success they did in the first round. Those are two big red flags to me. Um, And and I think that they need to correct those, uh, especially the, the fourth leads that they gave up Bob they were leading by double digits significant big time leads in the fourth and Indiana would catch them sometimes take the lead I mean Bob I I was talking off air with some friends the Cavs could have been tied 2-2 in that series or even if things broke really right for Indiana down 3-1 I mean Cleveland played with fire a little bit more than I'm comfortable with in that first round you can understand I mean you know a team's going to make a run. A team's going to do something great, maybe one time. But if you're a team like the Cavs, you can't let that happen over and over again. And if they do those things against Toronto, it could be trouble. Oh, for sure. It, it could definitely be trouble. I mean, like you said, uh, the, the Raptors are a complete team. This is the team. Uh, this is a rematch uh, of the Eastern Conference Finals uh, last year. You know, but the, the Cavs and Raptors pl- played in that series. The only Eastern Conference team in the playoffs to to beat the Cavs last year. Uh, I think that the Raptors are improved. I think they've developed a little bit. I think the you know last season you can view that as the, their breakout moment. Uh, now they've added Serge Ibaka. 
Jonas Valanciunas uh, will is healthy to, to play all uh, this entire series, or at least he is healthy for, for the opener. Um, so yeah, I think the Raptors are going to be a, a much bigger challenge than the Pacers of last year and uh, of the Raptors, not, excuse me, the Pacers of last series and the Raptors of, of last year. So um, they, the Cavs cannot make the, the same careless mistakes that they made against the Pacers because the Raptors are, are just too good and too deep to, for, for the Cavs to, uh, you know, skate by and, and uh, not not pay for, for, for those mistakes. So, um, yeah, uh, they, hopefully that this week, uh, has they, they were able to work out some of those defensive miscues, especially, and, and figure out their fourth quarter defense. Um, hopefully that Pacer series, uh, served as kind of a wake up call and, and knocked off some rust maybe. Um, and, and the Cavs need to be primed and ready to go. Cause this is not a team, uh, to mess with namely because of that backcourt and Kyle Lowry and, and DeMar DeRozan. Now they're coming off a, a series against the Milwaukee Bucks where the Bucks are just crazy athletic and long defensively. Uh, they really gave the Raptors trouble and, and held them uh, and, and, and gave them you know, really low shooting percentages. You know, DeMar DeRozan was one for 12 behind the arc. I can't imagine the Cavs are going to hold him to that same limit uh, in these playoffs. But if you talk about the Toronto Raptors, Chris, you start with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Um, how did the Cavs match up against them? Well, it's the age-old question. I mean, you know, Kyrie Irving is not the best defensive point guard. Uh, it will be tougher to hide him against the team like this that has two guards that can beat you from both positions. Uh, so so definitely the pressure is going to be on J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, uh, some of our defensive specialists back in the perimeter, uh, and even Darren Williams to match up on Kyle Lowry um, to, to try and slow him down. And I imagine Ty Lue is going to throw a number of different uh, sets at them. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Bob, they, they put LeBron James on DeRozan at times uh, just to give him a, big, a bigger body out there. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen a ton, but but certainly LeBron is your best all-around perimeter defender, and that would be one heck of a mismatch uh, to have LeBron guarding DeRozan or Lowry. He can do it, and I imagine he will do it at times in this series. But, Bob, th- those two guys have had their inconsistencies. I mean, you know, DeRozan at one time against the Bucks went 0-8 from the field, only 8 points. I mean, he is not going to be able to do that. Uh, you know, another game, they won this one, but he only scored 18 points. Not, you know, not a huge impact. So the the fact of the matter is, Bob, I think this time around, Toronto's going to need those two guys to really carry them because though they are their stars. Um, they are the, the backbone of their team. And uh, if, if Toronto doesn't get every ounce of production out of them, they, they really don't have a shot at pulling the upset. Yeah, you know, this, this has not been something new. Uh, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, for whatever reason, rarely are able to click at the same time. I think uh, you, you can't expect both of them to be at 100% every single game just because uh, they haven't shown that they're able to consistently do that. That being said, if, if they are able to figure out how to be the all-star guards that they are in the regular season in the playoffs against this Cavs defense that you know, really struggles to, to, to stop stars for, from scoring their points. I, I think the Cavs are in some serious trouble. Um, but, you know, history shows us that it's either one or the other. Um, so, uh, you know, take take what, you know, if one is hot, the other is most likely cold, and, and the Cavs should be willingly take that. Um, but I, I am concerned that 
with this Cavs defense, particularly in the perimeter against these two stars, if they both get hot, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, I, I, I don't like the Cavs chances. Uh, I, I really don't. Um, moving to the interior, Valanchunas didn't play for the majority of that Eastern Conference uh, final last year. He's back, their starting center, uh, very talented. Also added Serge Ibaka, power forward, who can stretch his game out to the three, is a premier shot blocker. Um, what what impact do you see them having uh, against the Cavs? Well, the good news for the Cavs is Bismack Biombo, who's had 26 rebounds in that game three of the Eastern Conference Finals last year, uh, won't be part of this front court. Uh, the bad news for the Cavs is I actually think the front court is a little bit better overall now that Ibaka is there because he is a true power forward. He is a little bit better guarding guys power forwards on the perimeter not not perimeter guys but I think he matches up with Kevin Love a little bit better than Biombo did uh, because Biombo's a true center and now you've still got Valanchunas there so so I do think that is going to be interesting to see if the Cavs rebounding advantage that you know they've got Kevin Love they got Tristan Thompson LeBron James three of the best rebounders in the NBA how they're going to deal with the size of Valanchunas and the athleticism of Ibaka it, it, it is a little bit more dynamic up there, and I do think it's a very intriguing matchup uh, to watch as the series goes on. Uh, Bob, the more I'm talking, I, I, I don't want to talk myself into picking Toronto here, but but I do think the, the Raptors do pose a, a pretty solid threat uh, up front on the glass. I, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. For sure. I, they're definitely talented down low. You know, Biombo last year was probably the only player the Cavs faced that was able to go toe-to-toe and, and, and rebound uh, with the Cavs. Uh, you know, that was kind of one of the reasons why the Cavs were so successful last year. They were just able to out-rebound anybody and everyone uh, in the playoffs. I don't think that Valanchunas, uh, w- you know, certainly a better player than Biombo and, and can offer, has a different facets of the game that he can author offer but i think tristan thompson is going to have a very successful playoff uh series against him uh, in terms of rebounding i don't see him offering the same uh difficulty that that biombo did um that being said having a baka though uh a shot blocker a guy that can rebound a power forward that can shoot the three uh the raptors now have a a, a five-man lineup that uh, can all stretch on the perimeter if they insert Patrick P- Patterson to that power forward, slide Ibaka over to the five. Uh, now they, they, they have five shooters uh, on the floor, can go toe-to-toe with that lineup that the Cavs roll out with Channing Frye and Kevin Love at their four and five. Um, you know The Raptors have some depth and have some uh, versatility that, that can match up really well with the Cavs. That gives me more concern because the Cavs uh, are able to mitigate these big centers by rolling out Channing Frye uh, and just outshooting them uh, and, and drawing that big guy uh, away from the paint. And then when he gets a little bit tired, Tristan Thompson comes back in and, and is able to out-rebound and get leverage on him. Um, the, the Raptors are able to mitigate that with their depth uh, in the front court. So again, uh, you know, it, it's, it'll be interesting to, to see how this plays out because we, we haven't seen, uh, we didn't see Valanchunas a whole lot last year. We, we haven't really seen Ibaka uh, in a Raptors uniform going going up against the Cavs. Um, we, we'll have to see how, how this plays out. Yeah, the Raptors do have a sneaky good roster, a roster that actually could match up solid, as solid as anyone in the East could with the Cavs. 
Um, but but the, the thing here is is consistency. You know, we, we've talked about these guys. We know the upside that they have. Jonas Valanciunas has struggled a bit in the playoffs. Serge Ibaka is, is not the same Serge Ibaka he was in Oklahoma City. Uh, even Damari Carroll, who, who will probably be guarding LeBron James for most of the series, has taken a, a step back since coming over from Atlanta. Bob, do you think the Raptors have it in them to play to put four games together against this Cleveland Cavaliers team because because based on the inconsistencies that they've shown for the last two years, I, I have a hard time seeing them getting it all together for four games. And even if they do, the Cavs are still an uber-talented team. Uh, I, I think this could be a fascinating series, but I'm leaning towards the fact that Cleveland has shown a lot more consistency and LeBron James is as safe a bet as there is in this NBA playoffs. Yeah, if I'm putting my money down, I, I'm still putting it on the Cavs. Uh, I, I I think for for the reasons you said, just because of consistency, I, I do think the Cavs are favored to win the series. The Raptors have a chance though. They they have the talent, they have the skill, they have the depth, and they match up well. Um, it's just can they can they pull that off for four games, and can they catch Cleveland in four games where they're not only hot, but the Cavs are are slightly cold or playing uh, not at their best. Um, I don't think that's likely, uh, but I do think this is going to be a very challenging series for the Cavs, and they're going to have to um, figure some things out really quickly and make some adjustments as the series goes on. I do not think this is going to be a sweep. I I think it's going to be a a much more drawn-out series than what we've seen uh, uh, from the Cavs in in the past couple series. Yeah, my pick is Cavs in five. I think the Cavs will take care of home court, split in Toronto, and then come back and close them out. That that that's my pick. I could see it going to six, like in the Eastern Conference Finals. It wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if Toronto defended the 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 North. It's defend the North versus defend the land. Two of the weaker slogans in in the NBA right now. But <laughs> um, you know, I I think that um, I, I do think the Cavs will get things together. I, I'm hoping that Indiana woke them up, and I'm hoping that that this team. Finally, like, you know, doesn't give me a heart attack every time they get a 20-point lead. Um, and I think if they do that, they should be fine. And, and I, my, my, my pick will be Cavs in five. Yeah, I'm picking the Cavs. I just think it'll go to six games. I, I, I see uh, the Cavs are going to have some difficulty winning in Toronto. Um, I think it'll be Cavs in six. Um, all right, well, let's uh, – preview the the other teams that that are left uh, in the other semifinals uh matchups we'll start with the with the other eastern conference matchup boston versus washington uh they've already played one game boston uh eking out the win you know washington looked dominant in in that first quarter but boston came out on top chris what what do you like about this series can we pause for a minute and tip my hat that i went eight no last round can, can i tip my hat for yeah. that very very good that's pretty good stuff and I made my picks before, before the whole game one thing. I know we did them on the podcast after. I, I did that again too. I made my picks on Facebook prior to recording this, uh, and I picked the Wizards in six for this series. So uh, I'm down one. I was sure that I was going to get game one uh, because, as you said, the Wizards were hammering Boston for the first quarter, first half, and then all of a sudden I turn, turn and look at the score, and the Celtics are up 15 at the end of the third quarter. I'm yeah. like, what the heck happened? How did Washington? <laughs> Screw this up. I thought for sure Washington was going to take game one in Boston. Um, You know, the more I watched Isaiah Thomas in the playoffs, the more I think that he should be handed the MVP trophy. 
because <laughs> I can't imagine this Celtics team without him. I, Bob, I don't think they'd even make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference without him. I, I think that he has just put this team on his back. He has constantly stepped up and impressed me over and over and over again. Even when the, uh, you know he, the tragedy with his sister, playing through all of that, having to go up against John Wall. Uh, the fact of the matter is this guy, I think, is more important to his team than any other player right now. It doesn't mean he's the best player in the league. I just think that the drop-off without Isaiah Thomas is so steep that, honestly, if I, if I were to vote, I'd give the guy the trophy because I, I think how can I, I, I just can't see the Celtics as a threat at all without him. He really is the only reason they are as far as they are. Hey, uh, you'll get no arguments from me uh, on that. I've been singing his praises for, for a really long time. Uh, I love watching Isaiah Thomas play. Uh, him in the postseason has been fantastic. Uh, I agree with you, man. They, they would be nowhere without him. Um, and that's just all the more amazing considering just how short he is. Um, it, it's, it's truly amazing. But Chris, I mean, uh, do you think Isaiah Thomas going up against John Wall, is he, is he able to, uh, is he going to be able to will the Celtics to victory uh, over a whole full playoff series against that? I, I don't think so because I think the Wizards have the deeper and the better team. I think they, they have two, they, well, they have a superstar in John Wall. They have Bradley Beal who has superstar potential. They have a deep roster. They have, you know, Gortat, Morris. I, I just think the Wizards are overall a better team. And I think the matchup, John Wall and Isaiah Thomas, over the course of seven games, will go to John Wall eventually. Now, now Thomas and, and then the Celtics pulled it out in game one. But I do think that, that for four game, over this course of a seven-game series, John Wall and, and the better team will win out. Um, I did pick the Wizards in six. Because the Wizards, in their own right, as you saw in Game 1, have their own inconsistency problems, just like most anyone in the East. Um, I just think that ultimately, even though they they, they kind of coughed up Game 1 to the Celtics after taking such a big lead, I think that, that Washington will right the ship, uh, probably steal Game 2, and then take care of business. Yeah, this series is certainly intriguing. Um, I thought Washington would win in six uh, before I saw that game. Now I'm inclined to say that this is going to be a seven-game series. I still think Washington is going to pull it out um, just because I think they're a better, more well-rounded team than the Celtics. But I do think this is going to make this is going to go the distance and be a seven-game series. Bob, I actually disagree with you. I don't think Washington will win a game seven in Boston. I think if Washington's going to win, they got to do it in six because I, I just I'm not confident enough in the Wizards for them to go on the road and win a game seven just yet. So I, I think if they're going to win, they're going to do it in six. I'm picking them officially, but I disagree with you there. I think if it goes seven, Boston's going to win. All right. Well, we will certainly see uh, what happens there. Uh, both picking Washington though to win that series. Uh, moving out west, uh, we'll start with the one seed Golden State. Uh, drawing the match against Utah, Utah being the only team to quote unquote upset uh, in, in that first round. If you count a five seed beating a four seed and upset, but Chris, what what are the, the Jazz's chance uh, of being competitive uh, against the Warriors? 
This is another interesting... Well, first off, the Jazz are like the anti... If you put the Jazz on the floor with anyone, they're the anti-team because they're the defense, grinded-out kind yeah. of team. They have the, you know... They, they're not the typical... They're not going to, you know, Houston Rockets shoot a bunch of threes, score 150 points, and beat you. They're going to beat you by holding you to less than 90. If that's your strategy playing Golden State, it's probably not going to work because you could play the best defense in the world and the Golden State Warriors are probably still going to get 100 points. They are just that good. But that's not to say that Washington, I mean, excuse me, not Washington, Utah, doesn't have a lot going for them. First off, uh, Gordon Hayward is the most underrated superstar in the NBA. The second most underrated superstar in the NBA is Rudy Gobert. They do have two legitimate guys who could give uh, Golden State significant problems on the wing. Uh, Hayward versus Durant, Gobert down low, going up against you know Draymond Green and whoever they rotate in as center because you know Golden State plays a lot of different funky formations. But I think the ultimate key there is can the perimeter of George Hill and Joe Johnson stop the Splash Brothers? And and I'm sorry, I, I'm not quite there just yet. Um, I do think that while Utah, I, I think they are going to make it competitive. I think they are going to frustrate Golden State. And I think they are going to ultimately lose in six games, which I think would be good, you know, a good showing for them given who they're facing. Uh, I just think the Wiz- the Warriors, gosh, why am I thinking Washington all the time? The Warriors are going to win this series. They're the best team in the West. I just don't think Utah has enough firepower to run with them. Yeah, I think the Warriors are going to overwhelm the Jazz, but I, I think at home with that defense, the, the Jazz have a chance to win two games. So I, I agree with you. I think Warriors will, will win in six um, you know, the Jazz being such a grinded out team, they really make Gordon Haywood look uh, really, really good. And he certainly is a good player and is having a fantastic season. But it's kind of like they, they prop him up just because of how defensive and physical they can be. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they, they just will be frustrating enough to, to win two games against the Warriors probably at home. But um, no, let's not underestimate the fact that one injury can change everything. And, uh, you know, Kevin Durant has had, did struggle with some injuries against Portland. If those aren't completely shaken, could change the series, especially against a team like Utah, who is good enough to, if you're not, you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's, they can bite you. Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, all right, rounding out the playoffs, we got uh, Houston versus San Antonio in, in the West. Uh, what do you like about this matchup? Um, not much, really, to tell you the truth. Uh, no, no, but seriously, I, I, look, I'm not trying to disrespect Houston, but but I'm about to disrespect Houston. I just don't think you can play the style of ball that they play against the Spurs and win. The San Antonio Spurs have shown that teams that just completely disregard defense don't fare well against their ball, kind of dominant, harmonious offense. And, and, and I, I just am struggling to see who on that court is going to match up with Kawhi Leonard. Um, though I do think James Harden should have a pretty good series because I don't think Tony Parker is what he was. I, I don't. I think the weakness on the Spurs is on the perimeter. So I do think Houston will be able to score a little bit more than maybe they would against the Spurs five years ago, this kind of team. But ultimately, I think the Spurs are just too good, too disciplined, too fundamentally strong to lose to this team. I think they will win in five games. Yeah, this is the kind of team that that, that the Spurs will rip to shreds. Um, they, they're just not disciplined enough, and the Spurs are, are 
the, the chiefs of, of discipline. I, I think the Spurs will, will win this easy. I, I agree with you again, uh, Spurs in five. I, I just think um, that that brand of basketball that the Rockets play while has been wildly successful and, uh, you know, has been really fun to watch. I think they're just walking to a buzzsaw in the Spurs. Have we disagreed on a pick yet this playoffs? Didn't, did you pick Milwaukee? I think you picked Milwaukee. I think I did, yeah. Okay. Because I feel like we disagreed on one of them. But, man, Bob, you and I, we're, we're pretty similar here. But, hey, you know, our job is to pick the winners, not to disagree. So, I mean, if we think these teams are going to win, yep. that's what you're going to get, man. Yeah, for sure. And it's not like we're going out on limbs here. We're, we're picking the the favorite other than Washington. But, anyway, um, yeah, that's the that's – the, uh, conference semifinals preview uh we will definitely uh check back in uh well actually uh, we're not recording next yeah. week so next time we record uh we will have some results and, and we'll be previewing some conference finals matchups um so hopefully the Cavs are are still in the discussion there um but moving to the news uh the indians uh capped off a a really good week uh in, in baseball going four and two last week uh, a huge offensive explosion on Sunday. Um, that, that was really exciting to see um, winning uh, the series against Seattle and then also having that series against Houston earlier in, in the week. Chris, uh, a, a good week for the Indians? Oh, yeah. Anytime you have a winning record on a homestand, you're facing guys like uh, Dallas Keuchel and Lance McCullers with your four and five to split that and then take the series with your ace, Corey Kluber. Though Kluber wasn't outstanding against Houston, uh, he did enough to win the game. Uh, and then, then just going into Seattle, Danny Salazar was fantastic on that Saturday game. Uh, it was unfortunate that they dropped the game Carrasco pitched, A, because our parents were at it, and B, uh, you know, it's just, just you don't like to see your, your number two guy uh, struggle a little bit. But, but Danny Salazar, that was a phenomenal outing. You know, after the first, he and the bullpen just shut him down for eight innings. Um, and then, of course, on Sunday, uh, they flexed their muscles with the bat and just destroyed them. Ran them out of the, ran them off the field in the third inning. I think they scored like eight runs that inning. So uh, very good to see the Indians win in a variety of ways, and uh, always great. Now, now they got a tough road trip this week. Uh, Detroit and Kansas City, four in the Motor City. Uh, the, when Detroit came to Cleveland a couple weeks back, it left a sour taste in a lot of fans' mouth. Verlander and Kluber are going to go head-to-head again, Bob. We saw that game. Didn't get the pitcher's duel we thought we'd get. I think this time around it might be a little bit more what we expect because those two guys are too good to uh, get lit up like that uh, uh, very often. Yeah, definitely. Uh, hopefully that, that Indians road trip goes well, and uh, certainly Kluber versus Verlander, that's uh, always fun to watch. Um, we figured we would uh, check in uh, with the Columbus Clippers and, and look at some of these prospects, how they were doing. Uh, Tyler Naquin uh, obviously spent majority of his season last year with uh, in the major league roster with the Indians was sent down earlier in April. Uh, he has uh, not gone hitless in a single game since being sent down the AAA. He's got a 12-game hitting streak going right now. Uh, looking at some of these other guys, Bradley Zimmer uh, hitting 271. uh High strikeout ratio, though. Uh, Yandy Diaz, since being sent down, he's hitting around 350. Uh, Giovanni Urshela batting 254. Shortstop Eric Gonzalez is at 244. Chris, uh, any of these guys uh, notably having a good season yet? 
Well, you love to see the two guys who are in the big league club having uh, success. You know, I like Naquin, 12-game hitting streak. You know, he struggled mightily this year with the Indians, so it's good to see him get down there and find his groove. And then Yandy Diaz, I mean, 350. The guy is just oozing with talent. I feel like the next time they need someone to come up from Columbus, his name's going to get called. But, man, you know, it's just refreshing to see both those guys who have contributed to the Indians, keeping it up down in Columbus, and uh, are, are just waiting, ready and waiting uh, should should the need arise. Um, hopefully there, there won't be an injury, but it, it, it's good to know that there's some depth down in Columbus to absorb it if needed. And, and certainly good to see Naquin uh, you know, right the ship and, and get, get, get into a rhythm because he, he was struggling up here. I think he just needed to clear his head and uh, certainly is, uh, is, has been doing that so far. Yeah, it's good to see, you know, being demoted after being such an integral part of a very successful major league team can, can be uh, demoralizing, but it seems like he is making the most of it and is having uh, is just buying his time uh, until he gets called back up. Um, let's dive a little bit even deeper uh, to double-A Akron Robert Ducks. Uh, man, this Francisco Mejia catcher, uh, you know, last year is making some headlines because he had such a long extended hitting streak. Um, but he's having a fantastic first season in double a hitting 333 uh seven doubles a triple and a home run chris uh i know it's just double a there's still some time and some things to work out but uh it's great to see magia is just progressing along nicely right well jan gomes and uh uh, roberto perez better get their bats going (laughs) because this guy every time he gets promoted he just keeps hitting and uh, look, I'm not trying to take away from Gomes and Perez. What they do defensively is outstanding. They control the run game. They're two of the best defensive catchers in the league. But my goodness, watching them bat is not fun. It is it is <laughs> agonizingly frustrating every time they come up because it always seems to happen with two outs and a man on second and third. So it, look, I, I get it, you know, not not the best bats in the world but but they gotta be get up to 200 or something like that they they can't be this big of a liability i'm not saying um magia is the answer this year but this guy every time he gets promoted doesn't seem to be slowing down so i i have a feeling the big leagues will be in his future some point probably not this year but uh gomes and perez better start looking over their shoulder because a year or so from now uh this bat's coming. Yeah, this might be the greatest silver lining in uh, Jonathan Lucroy vetoing that trade is that Francisco Magia is, is still in our pipeline uh, progressing to the big leagues. I, I think he's fast-tracked for it, um, has some work defensively, but if he keeps swinging like that, uh, you're he, he's going to be here sooner than, than later. Um, drilling down to single A, though, at Lake County, Brady Aiken, former number one overall pick with the Houston Astros, was still a first round draft choice uh, for the Indians, but just a, le- a year later, um, struggling a little bit. 0 and 4 with a 4.12 ERA. Uh, how concerned are you uh, about that for Aiken, Chris? Uh, certainly concerned. Uh, 4.12 ERA, 1.83 WHIP, uh, not ideal. 0 and 4 record, not ideal. Uh, but but at the same time, uh, you know he was that number one overall pick. You're right, but but the injuries kind of caused him to fall a little bit, and the Br- and not the Browns, the Indians were able to. Um, get kind of a value selection. I think the talent is there. I just think that he he's you know he's got development to do. Um, 
he's down in single A. That's why he's in single A. He's there to uh, just, just kind of learn and improve. And hopefully the next time we talk about Brady Aiken, his ERA and whip are lower, and he's uh, righted the ship. But it's only only a couple starts. Uh, certainly that's why that's why he's down there. Um, but yeah, you can't deny the talent. I mean, the guy gets taken number one overall. He certainly has the kind of talent that you like out of a prospect. He's just, he's just got to write some things out. Yeah, I mean, he's still only 20 years old and won't be 21 till, till August. Um, this is just his second full year in, in professional baseball, so there's plenty of time for him to write the ship. Um, I, like you said, uh, a left-handed starting power pitcher that was talented enough to be the number one overall pick at age 17, uh, it, it's not time to uh, abandon ship yet <laughs> with Brady Aiken. There's still plenty of time for him to figure things out and and, and work his way up to the major leagues um no so you're saying panic, the captain's but... still driving the ship down in lake county see what you did there abandoned yeah. ship. <laughs> yeah <laughs> certainly um but yeah i mean brady breaking has uh plenty of time to to figure things out and, and to improve um and hopefully he'll, he'll be a part of the indians uh in the near future yeah absolutely i mean look you're not gonna cut a, a left-handed power arm like that i mean we're, we're certainly not suggesting that but but you know you never want to see a guy struggle yeah, definitely not. Well, that is uh, all of our real news. Uh, Chris, let's go to our fake headlines. Yeah, so so since we got two weeks to mess around here, uh, I hope my fake headline comes true. I want the Cavs to sweep the Raptors. I know I picked Cavs in six, but I want the Cavs, I want to I want to come back here and talk about an Eastern Conference Final preview where the Cleveland Cavaliers won in four games and uh, and everything was smooth. So so that's that's the headline I want to see, and and it could happen, but I don't know if it will. Because, uh, like I said, I picked them in six, but I want to see the Cavs sweep. Hey, I, I would love that. Um, and it figures the one time we don't uh, check our fake headlines before we record, uh, we would pick the same one. Um, <laughs> so just on the fly, I, I, I'm going to go. You know, my fake headline a couple of weeks ago was that Jazz would, would sweep the Clippers. I'm not that hopeful for, for the Jazz, but I do, uh, you know, I, I, I am idealistic. And I'm saying the Jazz upset the Warriors in a seven-game series. Uh, dream big. And I think that would be uh, amazing news uh, for the Cavs prospects and just because of the animosity I have for the Golden State Warriors. That would be a pretty big upset in my book. I, I'm not even that's not even disrespectful oh, yeah. to the Jazz. That's just how good the Warriors are. And and if I if I saw that, Bob, I, I would be like, wow. Uh, yeah, that that would be a really big yeah. upset. Dare to, dare to dream. Dare to dream. Well, as we said earlier, we are taking next week off, but don't worry. We have another podcast fully dedicated to the NFL draft. You didn't think we'd forget the Browns Super Bowl, did you? No. We have a whole separate podcast this week, a second <laughs> one, fully dedicated to the NFL draft. And the beat writer from the Illyria Chronicle Telegram, Scott Petrak, came in and offered wonderful analysis on that podcast. you got to check it out. It's up. It'll be up on FenleyRoadSports.com soon. Uh, but until then, you can catch up on all of our episodes at FenleyRoadSports.com. Please subscribe to our podcast via iTunes. Just click the icon in the upper right corner of FenleyRoadSports.com. Or you can search Fenley Road Sports and click Talk through iTunes. It is just that simple. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. We appreciate your support. Come back later this week and, you know, really quickly, we're going to have the uh, NFL Draft podcast up for you all about the Browns draft. And then we're taking next week off. Next time we talk, hopefully, 
Maybe not a sweep, but hopefully we will be talking about the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals and more NBA playoffs. So we'll see you in two weeks. Until then, go Tribe and go Cavs. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Cavs. Take it easy, Bob.